Hello everybody and welcome to the Cat Dads Talk Kino podcast. Um, I'm one of your co-hosts, uh, James. Uh, my pronouns are he, him and this is my other co-host. Man Moon and my pronouns are they, them. Wahoo! Um, so this is our Pride Month episode. This is well. This is technically our first episode. First episode and Pride Month episode. And Pride Month episode. Yes. Um, so obviously, I mean, if you're listening to this, chances are you probably actually know who we are, because um, <laughs> I can't imagine anybody else discovering this. But um, at least not at this stage. Not at this stage. If you've if you've come back, uh, if you're from the future and you've come back to listen to the first episode. <laughs> Then welcome, time traveller. Yeah, so we basically decided we both like films, we both like talking to different extents, um, (laughs) and we like talking about films specifically. So, yeah. Um, So we figured we'd do a podcast, and we are also, as uh, as it says in our title, we are cat dads. We are indeed. We have our cats behind us right now. Hopefully (laughs) they won't cause too much trouble. Uh, Puddy and Pumpkin. They are our children. They are. You might hear them squawk or do zoomies or who knows what they'll go up to. <laughs> or swear at us. Swear at us, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe scratch something and then we'll shout at them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> who knows what will happen? I mean, it's very exciting. Anything could happen, but probably nothing exciting. Um, so, yeah. So, as you mentioned earlier, we are doing a Pride Month special. Yay! Technically, when this podcast has gone up, Pride Month will actually have been and gone. But this as, is what we watched during Pride yes, Month. Yes, these are the things we watch during Pride Month, and also shouldn't every month be Pride Month? Every month is Pride Month in our house. There you go. Um, as it's Pride Month, I'm going to say to you guys, I'm proud to be a non-binary, pansexual, and just general weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> Um, for as for me, I don't really subscribe to any label. No. Um, I guess you know I'm a cis dude, but you know I don't really ascribe to anything. So, yeah. <laughs> you are you. I am me. You don't need to have. Not everybody feels like they want to or have to have labels, and they don't. Exactly. No. Well, you if know. you feel like labels help you and make you feel more yourself. You know, like, I feel, I like having my labels so I know where I can find other people who are like me and other people like me can see that, oh yeah, another non-binary person. But not everybody wants that and that's totally fine too. Exactly. I mean, that's the whole point of pride. Take pride in whoever you are. Yeah. Unless you're a map. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we do not support maps on this podcast. No, no support for maps. We support all the alphabets. All, all the, the alphabet letters, mafia. But not maps. No. If they count. Well, they do not count. They okay. do not count. They don't count. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, I do want to as well mention, because I am an old cis white dude, um, I'm don't, I don't know if I'm sort of fully up to date with all the terms and stuff, but if I get anything wrong, you'll correct me. Yes, I will. <laughs> I'm not the best at remembering these things, but... But, that's okay. Know, because, I try my best. You know, you try your best. And yeah. if you say the wrong thing and somebody corrects you, then that's a learning opportunity. Exactly. And then you've learned that and you'll use the correct term in the future. Exactly. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, before we talk about our films as well, it is worth mentioning that we will be discussing our films with spoilers. So 
Uh, so lots yeah, of lots of spoilers. All the spoilers <laughs> because you know it's a lot easier to discuss a film when you don't have to skirt around certain things. Yeah. Um. So yeah, obviously, feel free to catch up on any of these films we talk about. We'll put them in the description or whatever. Uh, before you listen to this but whatever works for you um and also i guess we'll throw i mean last we did a test episode recently when we, we were talking about some horror films including some pretty extreme ones yeah uh so we did a content warning i will do that again because some of the films i mean you know with lgbt films themes yeah yeah very sad you know homophobia stuff like that so uh yeah so we'll throw out a content warning just in case you are sensitive to any you know uh, any of those themes but but yeah. yeah shall we get on with our films yes oh yeah and it's also worth mentioning <laughs> because this is the internet these are just our opinions yes if yeah. i hate a film and i shit all over it and you love it that doesn't mean that you are wrong and i am right i'm glad you enjoy that film i just don't enjoy it myself you know same here or if we love a film and you hate it doesn't mean you know doesn't mean you're doesn't wrong, mean doesn't you're mean wrong. We're wrong it's you know everybody has different opinions and it's that's so what makes the world go around yeah take pride in your opinions unless they're <laughs> unless they're bigoted bigoted opinions <laughs> no bigotry yeah um so yes we'll start with our film so we've got 10 films that we'll be discussing um yeah. we'll we try not five to... each yeah we decided to pick five different lgbtqia plus films each for pride month and that's what we did <laughs> yep <laughs> um so yeah the first one we went for um was paris is burning um this is a 1990 american documentary directed by uh, jenny livingston and this is basically a film all about, I believe, I should have written a note, but the I believe it was, it was New York, was it? I'm pretty sure it was New York. The ball scene in New York um, during, obviously, the late 80s. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you really loved this film. I loved this <laughs> so much, in fact, that I wish that it was double the length and we got to spend more time with these wonderful people. Um, they were so full of life and interesting to watch like i feel like if this had come out now it would have been a documentary series and we would have had like mm. an episode per person and i'm not gonna lie that's what i wish it was yeah i could spend hours and hours watching these people um watching the balls and doing their different categories which i just adored but then it did get sad but we'll talk about that yeah I mean, I guess technically it has been made into a series, uh, that Pose show that you watched. That's watch. true. So yeah, I guess that's, that's I mean, that obviously, inspired by it. Yeah, obviously it's based on that whole scene and that vibe, yeah. but obviously, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, we obviously, you chose this film. It's mentioned a lot on RuPaul's Drag Race. It and is, figured and I'm a you should finally RuPaul watch fan. it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I thought this film was all right. Um I didn't think it was bad or anything like that. I thought it was a good, entertaining documentary. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like it was, like you say... Well, you didn't say that it was rushed, but you said that you think it could have spent more... longer with stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for me, it felt a little bit rushed, like a little bit like it jumps from one topic to another topic. And mm. a part of me likes that because a part of me is like, you know, it's keeping the energy yeah, high, the you know, the momentum, you know. It's making sure you don't get too bored if it focusing on one topic for too long. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like a, yeah, there was just a few 
parts where I was like, oh, I'd love to spend more time with this person. Yeah. Love to learn more about this. But I did find, personally for me, I found the people more interesting than the bull stuff itself. I like, It's equal parts for me. Yeah. I love, oh my gosh, watching the bull was just incredible. Like, I wish... I could have been alive in that time so I could have gone and witnessed this, seen these amazing people in the flesh doing, I mean, just the categories were wild yeah. and wonderful. You know, they did like, obviously I've got Butch Queen going to school. Do you remember going that one? School. Miss yes, Cheesecake, ex- Executive Realness. And the realness ones were so good too. Yeah. Like, so spot on. I think there was, like, a military one, and they were, like, in this military uniform, and it was just sickening. Yeah, sickening. (laughs) For anybody who doesn't watch RuPaul or isn't up with the lingo, that doesn't mean that you were nauseated literally by it. No, it Uh, means I loved it. it, It's a compliment. (laughs) Definitely. Uh, And also, it made me think, you know, watching RuPaul's Drag Race, we see them do these categories, and how heavily inspired it is from the ball scene and how much they've taken from the ball scene. Yeah. Um, I just, I just love it. I just wish I could have been there. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it was a, it was an engaging documentary, you know, and it, it sort of, um, showed that for a lot of these people, because a lot of these were like, you know, poor, black, yeah. queer people, not all of them were black, but you know, but a good poor, majority. queer people, mostly yeah. majority black or Latino or, and it was a way of them to sort of escape their, you know, their reality, you know, yeah. the trying to get by reality and yeah. be something that, you know, something fantastical to them, you know, something well, that they want to be for a while, you know? Yeah, like, for example, you know, the executive realness. Yeah. I mean, these people were not going to be given the opportunities to actually be an executive. No. So right. they went to go and they lived out that fantasy by doing that category. And they got to, you know, feel like for that night, they're an executive, you know, and it's kind of sad at the same, because you think it's so fucked that these people were not given any opportunities. And I mean, still to this day, it's not exactly great. No, of course But at the same time, it's so great to see them enjoy themselves and kind of get to live out that fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was definitely, it was, yeah, there was that aspect to it, which was sort of, you know, inspirational or, you know, uplifting to it, but obviously not all uplifting, unfortunately. I mean, these are the days of, you know, well, I mean, there's obviously still homophobia rampant, but, you know, homophobia, AIDS was, you know, HIV and AIDS was quite uh, rampant at that time. Yeah. Um, and we've got one uh, one subject in the film, uh, Venus Extravaganza, yeah. who was a transgender woman. Oh, and yeah, it, cry. it ends on like a horribly, like the whole film ends on like this horribly sad note where it's revealed that she was murdered um, yeah. while she was with her client as she was a prostitute. Um, and then, yeah. Then, I think it was just before Christmas Day as well, she was found. I don't know if that's oh in the documentary, God. if that was I when I looked it up. I don't remember. Uh, that. She was found underneath a hotel bed um, after being strangled by a client. Jesus. Um, and I think that this really got to me. Um, the end of this documentary, I was really, really sad um, because you see this beautiful, beautiful woman who has all these hopes and dreams and is talking about her future. And then it's just ripped away from her. Yeah, yeah, it was horrible. It's horrific. She was quite, um, 
quite hopeful, yeah. Yeah, as a she was. Um, but yeah, so there is obviously that depressing reality, and I liked the fact as well that it did it did balance the yeah. two, you know. It shows that, you know, this ball scene is awesome for these people, yeah. you know. A great way to be someone else for mm. a little while. But obviously, yeah, there is the... You know, you can't sort of uh, sugarcoat these things, no. you know. Especially if you're doing a documentary, you know. There is uh, stuff like that, but... And to this day, trans people are murdered, particularly black trans women. Yeah. Um... It's, oh, it makes me quite... It's sad. It's, yeah. No, no crying. No crying on the podcast. <laughs> I've cried enough. <laughs> you, you have cried a lot during we the course en- of these ten films. I have. We did enjoy... There was one bit which uh, made me laugh where they were talking about mopping. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they asked this guy, so what's mopping? And he, he started to explain it and then he just kind of went... It's stealing. Yeah, he sort of stumbles for an answer for a while. He's like, well, that's when you go in a shop and you, you know, uh, when you take the clothes and that you don't, uh, yeah, stealing. Yeah, that was that hilarious. That was funny. Yeah, there's a lot of humour to it, you know. A lot of these people are really funny. Yeah. And there's one subject as well. Um, what was their name? Let me look at my notes. Dorian Corey. Um, who not only had a great cat, because yes. we are cat dads, are. so this film does feature a good cat. <laughs> it wins uh, a cat point. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's like it's not actually in the documentary, but it Ooh. was found out afterwards um, when Dorian Corey died in like the mid-90s, I think it was, or I'm not sure something, was, that they had a murdered body in, a in dead their body, trunk, a dead body. In a trunk, in their closet, that had been in there for how long? Like 25 years or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. The like, theory is that this person um, was either an abusive partner or they had broken into her home and she had killed them in self-defence either way, but knew that the police were not going to take kindly to her, so... She kept him in the trunk in the closet. Yeah. I don't blame her. It's pretty smart. Yeah. Probably people would go through it and just think it's like a bit of beat up leather or something. <laughs> like, you know, they'd be like, oh, oh, this is a good prop. <laughs> Must have been pretty horrific for the people who opened it though. Yeah. They? But yeah, it was a, it was an enjoyable film. I, yeah. You know, it's not one that's stuck with me particularly. Oh, it um, stuck with me. But it stuck with you. Yeah, it did. Like, uh, then talking about that, their houses, they basically, you know, made their own families because a lot of these people were abandoned by their parents because they were queer. So, chosen family, the hierarchy, the quest to be legendary. Uh, I just loved it. I loved it so much. It was a wonderful experience yep. of a film. <laughs> and I wish that I could watch more of these people. So it's a five star from me. Five star film. For it you. is. Yeah, for me it's uh, three stars. It's, you know, it's good. I do like it. Um, it's just, yeah, it wasn't the most exciting thing in the world for me personally, but, but well, I have no major sense. criticisms. So. Because you're, you like RuPaul's Drag Race, but you're not like crazy on it like I am. Yeah. So I feel like this sort of documentary is going to appeal to the pe- sort of people who enjoy RuPaul's Drag Race and yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah. So yeah, that's um, Paris is Burning. So that was a total of 8 out of 10, if anybody is tallying for whatever reason. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, anything else to add on that film or that sum up all your thoughts? 
Yeah, that was yeah. That sums it all up. I loved it with all my heart. Good. <laughs> so our next film uh, was Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Um, this is a two thousand and one American musical comedy drama, uh, written and directed by and starring John Cameron Mitchell as the titular Hedwig, um, who is a, a lead singer, a transgender lead singer of the band. Hedwig and the Angry Inch and basically just their life story and yeah I mean there's not necessarily a huge amount of plot but then there's a lot of character and a lot of things happen yeah it's all about Hedwig and her life and the shit that she's been through and I loved it (laughs) so much (laughs) it was great I I really liked it I was very apprehensive at first because musicals are not my Forte. I'm no. not. I'm not usually, uh, yeah, very excited for musicals and stuff. But as soon as we heard the first song, I was like, okay, this is a good <laughs> song. I actually like this. It was. It was very sort of. I think the first song was very doorsy. Um, and then there was a second song, and it was sounded like a David Bowie yeah. song. And I was like, hang on, do I love these songs? <laughs> and yeah, I turned out I loved all the songs. Yes. You know, they were all like. Maybe they, they were more in the rock sort of punk realm, so yeah. there was Except a country, country song. song. Yeah, <laughs> there's a country song. Which is great too. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so that appealed more to me than most sort of stagey musical dance numbers. Not that there's anything wrong with that, just not my vibe yeah. personally. I love the soundtrack so much that I don't even know how many times I've listened to it since we watched it, but it's been a lot. <laughs> You have listened to it a lot. I have. I it's, have heard it coming from the other. It's so oven. good. I just, I, lo- I love it so much. I loved Hedwig. I thought she was such an interesting character. Had been through yeah. so many, like, awful things, really. You know, with her um, bottom surgery gone wrong, which is why she's called Hedwig and the Angry Inch, because all she's been left with is an angry inch. Yeah. Um, and obviously how she got married and then he left her for a younger boy and then she fell in love with another guy who then stole all her songs and <laughs> made an album and gave her no credit. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's uh, like so much stuff in this film that happened. It's like, like it's got this real sort of punk rock attitude to it which i love mm. you know like the film will just randomly burst into animation yeah flashbacks you know breaking the fourth wall it's just kind of one of those throw everything at the wall and see what sticks and for me it kind of all worked and even if it didn't all work i'd still be like i just love the spirit of this film yeah. it's just so fun and in your face and crazy and and it yeah, felt it like awesome. a lot of love went into it too. <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah. And I think we both said that it kind of, I don't know if the if you're listening, if you've seen Velvet Goldmine, but it gave us kind of Velvet Goldmine vibes. Yes, it was quite similar to Velvet Goldmine. I think they came out same year. Maybe, I know, mm. they might have been a few different years apart. But yeah, it's quite similar to Velvet Goldmine, although this film I prefer to Velvet Goldmine personally. But, oh, that's a, Oh, that's a, nice. so Sophie's choice. <laughs> Hedwig I, or Goldmine? Oh, I love Velvet Goldmine, but I do think Hedwig is yeah better because the soundtrack is so good. Yeah, the soundtrack is great. I I think you know, like for me, it it kept subverting my expectations. So there was a bit where this 
seemingly a ballad was about to start up and you know there was that inner musical disliker of me <laughs> part of me just like oh no not a ballad don't do a ballad and then it like flips and it becomes this rocking badass song and then by the time there are actual ballads it won me over so much <laughs> by that point I loved them you know like it's like and there, yeah there's so many themes to it as well you know like there's a lot of historical stuff about you know the, about the Berlin, Wall. Berlin Wall yeah, yeah like how he comes from East Germany and he he they sorry she the she they she 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 sorry she um it's because when we see You're the, thinking of the flashbacks no? it's it's because when we see the flashbacks they're a little boy to begin with oh okay yeah um but yeah she um yeah and it's it's like sort of the this you know um the Berlin Wall sort of symbolising how you know our personalities are often split two ways mm. and all this sort of stuff, you know. It's like, you know, Hedwig's struggling to be herself, but also, you know... And struggling with everything she's been through, yeah. which has made her incredibly angry. Exactly, At the yeah. point when we get to know her in the film, she's very, very angry about everything that's happened to her. Yeah. Um, and that's understandable. I would be angry too. Yeah. Um, but by the end, she manages to release that anger and yeah. start again. And then there's, like, her guitarist who is a... Her husband. Yeah, who is her husband who is... Uh, visually male but they actually inside you know they They're, identify yeah. as female and you know Hedwig is holding her holding her back you know not letting her be who she really yes. is because you need to be my husband yes. so that we can have a visa and all this kind of stuff and you know at the end she sets her free and it's really beautiful yeah it's, it's a very beautiful film yeah. you know lots of like lots of stuff at the end about like spiritual rebirth and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And I love and that shit. I always love themes like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's like we're we're so pretentious. We love a bit of spiritual rebirth. We do. Um, but yeah, yeah, this was a great film. Just really fun, but also clever and audacious. Yeah. And yeah, very memorable. Another great one songs. that I absolutely adored. Five yeah. stars all the Five way. Five stars. Yeah. I'd give it six. If I can, it's five. Yeah, and for me, yeah, as well, uh, much to my own surprise, uh, this was a five-star film as well. Yeah, I loved this. It was, yeah, like I say, just a really entertaining punk rock in your face. Yeah. <laughs> Fun film, but actually also genuinely by the end moving and, you know, yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Right. <laughs> so that's a total of ten out of ten. Ten. Oh, Our first and... ten. Most importantly, though, there is no cat point for this. Film. No, no, no cats. cats. No cats. So Sadly. Zero out of ten. No. I feel like Hedwig seems like she would be a cat person. Maybe. Maybe yeah. she'll. Maybe she'll get a cat. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Her character who doesn't In the sequel. exist. <laughs> so our next film is. Uh, Possibly one of the most oh. well-known LGBT films of all time. Yeah. Brokeback Mountain. Um, yes. So this is a 2005 American romantic drama directed by Ang Lee. And yeah, I think, I think you know, Brokeback Mountain in itself is... Everybody knows the name of the film. Even if they yeah. haven't seen it, everybody knows the name. Yeah, Every everyone knows, you know, who yeah. starred in it. You know, everybody, yeah. it, when it came out, it was such a massive thing. It was huge. I feel, I feel like it's it. pr 
probably at, at least when it came out probably the biggest sort of most mainstream sort of film to deal explicitly with queer themes at that time yeah. i'd say um you know obviously a lot of people called it the gay cowboy movie which you know it's it's very undermining it because yeah. yes there are cowboys yes they are gay but there's so much more to the film than that, that yeah you know, it's like yeah that it just feels like a little bit like yeah watch the film <laughs> this was another film that made me cry <laughs> you cried you cried a lot yeah i've seen this film many times over the years and it makes me cry every single time and but i hadn't seen it since we'd been together we had seen it once, but yeah but it was a long time okay ago, so. well i don't i don't remember but um watching it now and seeing how long they were together like didn't they say they kept this up for like 20 years being able to see each other once or twice maybe three times a year yeah um and that really got to me i was thinking imagine if we were living like that how miserable we would be if we had to pretend that we weren't into each other we had to marry other people for our basically for our own safety yeah and live this lie that we only got to give up a few times a year yeah and it oh. yeah it really you really feel for them you know like even when even when and i think the fact is the thing is they're so human you know they're not you know sometimes they do horrible things yeah. you know there's that bit where he fledger you know nearly hits his wife yeah. and stuff you know and you can't defend him but at the same time you really feel for them because of this internal struggle that they've got. You feel for all of them. Yeah. It's, you know, it's Jack and Ennis and the yeah. wives you feel for, the yeah, children for those, yeah. involved. It's just miserable. Yeah. But it is so incredible and important, I yeah. think. Oh, yeah. It's a very important film. And I, I think as well, like, we do sort of, we do have a degree of, looking at things slightly differently because I think to a degree it's a very beautiful film mm. about this you know such such a deep love between yeah. these two people but it's also tragic you know yeah it's, it is it is very sad um <sighs> look like you're gonna cry don't cry <laughs> it's just it is so sad <clears throat> for me yeah um their their love is so beautiful um and even at the beginning when they first meet and just yeah i I think that's the thing is like there's so much like as soon as they meet you get that like sort of sexual romantic tension immediately and yeah it it just feels so genuine yeah it does it's so like there's that bit where they haven't seen each other for like a few years or something and they see each other for the first time and they and Heath Ledger like just grabs Jake Gyllenhaal and, and just kisses him like and it's like oh tender but also like not rough but in a in that sort of you know I couldn't hold this in I yeah. need to get this all out sort of way and his wife sees that and, isn't yeah and Jack nasty yeah and his wife sees and, and that is this it's so strange because this film is played so it's so serious it but then there's that line which you can't help but laugh at because it sounds so ridiculous yeah the bit where uh, Michelle Williams uh, who plays uh, Heath Ledger's wife she's like oh I know who you're seeing something like I know who you're seeing it's Jack Twist Jack nasty 
and it makes us laugh every time it even does. though it shouldn't it because shouldn't. it's really sad but it's the bit where she talks about because obviously he went on fishing trips oh uh, yeah fishing um, and she put a little note on the end of his fishing line yeah. saying that she loved him and please bring her and the girls home some fish and when he got back she checked the fishing rod and it was still there he hadn't done any fishing no. There was another type of rod in use, but not a fishing rod. Ew. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. As soon as she said rod, I was like, I have to make some sort of penis joke here. There is one bit that I've just, just popped into my head that I do really enjoy, and it's got nothing to do with any of the queer themes. Yeah. But it's when they're having that, is it Thanksgiving dinner? Yeah, yeah. And Jack... Jack's wife is like t- turning the TV off oh, for yeah, yeah. The, their kid to eat their dinner and her dad turns it back on and Jack just loses his shit yeah. and sticks up for his wife yeah. and it's like, yes! Yeah, such a problem. I think that's the thing. There's like so much great stuff in this film. Like all the scenes are just, you know, like in in of themselves, just great scenes, you yeah. know. Um, you know, so even even when it's like, you know, just dealing with, you know, them and their wives like the bit where um ennis uh they go to see some fireworks with his wife and his kids and there's these men like talking inappropriately behind them and he's like you better shut up and stop talking like that and they're like or what and he just just kicks one of them in the face with the fireworks in the background (laughs) it's perfect it is epic like that is i mean just it like out actions most action movies <laughs> just that one shot of him kicking this guy in the face it's incredible <laughs> um but yeah it's yeah just filled with like a lot of you know yeah it's just a great film it's beautifully photographed it's you know the, yeah. the music that iconic you know is it i don't know if it's a banjo i think it's just an acoustic guitar yeah, I think it is, yeah. it's beautiful you know it's just really sort of makes your heart ache whilst you're watching it you know the film just perfectly visually and audibly surmises their relationship you know like tender and loving but also you know it just can't be you know yeah um and of course there's um the ending when obviously jack is murdered and then we were talking about the phone call between ennis and jack's wife oh yeah yeah um so we were trying to figure out whether she knew or not. And then, what did you find out? Yeah, so... filmed it two different ways? Yeah, Anne Hathaway has a scene at the end. Um, she's uh, Jack's wife. And <clears throat> she makes a phone call to Heath Ledger's character to explain that her husband has died. And we were trying to figure out, is she sad? Is she angry? Does she know who Heath Ledger's character is? Yeah. Does she know that they were having an affair? all that kind of stuff and we weren't sure and I was reading some trivia about the film and it said that they actually filmed it two ways they filmed it with uh, one one take of her knowing what was going on and knowing who Heath Ledger's character was Mm. and then another of her just having no idea and just you know explaining what happened to him and then what they did in the actual final film is they cut between those two takes Mm. So, like, every time it cuts back and forth between, you know, Heath Ledger and Anne Hathaway. It's from a different It's from a different take. So, yeah, that's, that's... And, you know, Anne Hathaway says herself, you know, she doesn't know what the definitive answer is, you know, the director mm. and the writer might, but but nobody else does, so... But that phone call is very interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a great scene. And, uh, and, and everyone's so good in this film oh, as well, yeah. you know, like, yeah. yeah. It's a great cast. Yeah, it's got a crazy cast. You've got Heath Ledger, Jake Gyllenhaal, Michelle Williams, Anne Hathaway, Randy Quaid, Linda Cardellini, Anna Faris, David Harbour, Kate Mara. I wrote these all down because I was like, there's so many recognisable faces in this cast. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> So, my star rating for this is five stars. Yeah, I give it a five star as well, uh, because it's beautiful and amazing yeah. and <laughs> sad and powerful. Very sad. Yeah. <laughs> so, next film is one that you don't like that much. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, yeah, no, this is all spoilers. Uh, yeah, this is where we're going to start getting into controversial territory where I may be lynched to the ends of the earth. <laughs> we're going to have a fight. Yeah, we're going to have a fight. Yeah, I might be lynched by my own, uh, by my, by my own spouse <laughs> and then lynched by uh, listeners of this podcast. Yeah. So our next film is Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is a 2019 French uh, historical romantic drama directed by... Uh, apologies if I get the pronunciation of this incorrect. Celine Siama, I think. I'm not certain on the pronunciation, but... Yeah, I can't help you with that. Yeah. Well, you, you know French. I don't know any French. <laughs> I do not know French. You know a bit of French. Very small amount. Okay. Um... I'll let you off. <laughs> so, this film is essentially about a woman who's been employed by another woman's mother to paint her portrait without her realising. So she spends time with this woman and observes her in order to paint her. Yeah. And they fall in love. They fall in love. And it's beautiful. And again, it's bloody sad. <laughs> they always it's bloody are. bloody horrible. The ending of this film is horrendous don't worry we talk about some happy films at some point we do uh this film kind of if anybody listening has read the well of loneliness the ending kind of um reminded me of that book and that book broke my heart into a million pieces so um but it's so <clears throat> their love is so tender and beautiful and you don't get it at all <laughs> I just I just don't get it no I'm very sorry I I think this is a very very well made film it's like beautiful. from a technical perspective you know it's beautifully photographed you know again um, you know the performances are all good I I guess I mean I'll come back to that in a minute I, no no I think they are good but <laughs> Um, it comes down to my primary issue with the film, but yeah, it's it's it looks beautiful. It's got some you know, fantastic shot compositions and all yeah. this kind of stuff. The lighting's really nice, you know. Like you get loads of paintings in this film because she's a painter, yeah. And you know they're beautiful, and you like there are scenes where you just watch them watch her paint, and it's just you know <laughs> those are actually for me some of the most compelling parts. I like I, you know, really like just watching her paint these beautiful pictures. Um, but for me, I just don't get much of the chemistry. I don't, I don't see it. I just don't get it. I wild. I know. Wild. For me, they just. It's so just the way they look at each other, and from the like almost from the start when they first mm. see each other, and it's just there's like this something there, like this little flame. Yeah. Oh, it's just oh, I love it. It reminds me um, 
<laughs> reminds me of um, a friend of mine who I had a crush on in high, crush on in high school who also had a crush on me, and we were both very like that. Yeah. And we were, but then it never got any further. It was like that kind of how they are in the beginning, how they obviously like each other, but it's like, do we do anything about this? No. Yeah. And then the mother goes away, and they do do something about it. Oh. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I can totally see, you know, I can totally see why people like this film. I guess I can't quite see why it's as loved as, as loved as it is, but at the same time, you know, I guess it's not a film that speaks to me personally on any level, I Mm. guess. I don't know. I just, for me, there's just something lacking. It's just, it just doesn't get me emotional. But I will say that I do think the final couple of scenes are amazing like they are mm. <coughs> brilliant heartbreaking scenes in of themselves you know oh, and i wish are. the whole film had i feel like the whole film is almost subtle to a fault and then at the end it kind of lets go of the subtlety a bit and is like a bit more nakedly emotional and yeah i i, I liked it more when it was being nakedly emotional as mm. opposed to I mean, I say subtle to a fault, but then there's a scene where one of them fingers the other's armpits, so... <laughs> They're putting these weird drugs on their armpits, yeah. aren't they? And <laughs> it's, it's not subtle at all. And they have hairy yeah. armpits. They do have hairy armpits. Because so often in um, like historical films, period dramas, whatever, there are these women who don't have any body hair, and you're like, well, that's not, <laughs> that's not realistic. So yeah. them having armpit hair, plus I love armpit hair, so... Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good good That's, scenes uh, in the film. Like I like the bonfire scene where these yeah. women just start singing this song, and it's it's great. Um, there's like these little bits where you see a g- g- ghost oh, every now yeah. and again, and it's like you know signifying this sort of it's like a ghost of the future. Yeah, this looming, looming spectre of an impossible yeah. future, and you know yeah. stuff like that. Um, there's, there's the oh, housemaid who is having an abortion yeah. you know and they help her through that they're basically they basically become her two mums yeah and help her through the abortion um there's also they tell that story oh yeah they... about the man and his wife has died mm. kind of prematurely i think i can't remember exactly yeah and he makes a deal with whatever deity is it sisyphus i can't Not remember the deity, yeah, but yeah but um to have his wife back and the whole thing is they say okay yes you can have her back but you have to travel with her all this way walking in front and you cannot look back at her until you get there and they're traveling and traveling and traveling and then he looks back and she's gone she is ripped back to the underworld or whatever yeah um and they talk about how he just couldn't help but look because he loved her so much. Yeah. And I love, I love that. Yeah. I just thought it was so sweet and it's like them, isn't it? Exactly. Which it, yeah, comes back to and alludes to many times towards the end of the film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's a, you know, I do think it's a good film. It's just not a film that does anything for me, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Like, I can appreciate the intent behind the film. I can appreciate the filmmaking. I can appreciate what people do see in it. Mm. But I just, for me, I do 
honestly find it a bit of a slog. Like I, I, I struggle. I struggle again because this is this is the second time we've watched it, mm. and I was like, okay, maybe second time it will make more sense to me. But I just found myself like. Okay. I just find them so beautiful to watch and so touching. Yeah. And they're so sweet with each other, and <clears throat> I just I love them. I think they're so lovely. And it's so sad that one of them is being forced to go and marry somebody in Milan and they couldn't just be together because I'm like, I just want you to be together. They essentially only get a few days together and they're talking about their regrets of not acting on their love sooner because they've had such little time. Mm. Um, And before they are split up again, um, the one who's getting married, I can't remember their names because I'm terrible. Um, Marianne and Eloise. Eloise is the one getting married. Okay, so Eloise gets Marianne to paint a self-portrait in her book on page 28. And years later, um, I've forgotten the name of the other one again. Marianne. Marianne sees her in a portrait at an art gallery and she's there with her children from this marriage but she's got the book slightly open to show the page number and it's page 28 and that's just oh god <laughs> and you're just like even now you still love her it was you know it was so oh my god i just don't understand how you don't it just makes me want to cry just thinking about it and the very end is just it's sad but it's also beautiful yeah because they one of the ah, i've got to remember the names marianne sees eloise yes that name? eloise um at a concert where there's like an orchestra playing music that she played to her on the piano and you see her go through these emotions of like happiness and sadness and it's her reliving their relationship in her head and how sad it is that they can't just be together just oh stop crying (laughs) no crying um but yeah ultimately there is no cat in this film so it's an awful (laughs) film same with Brokeback Mountain, actually. We take back our five stars because there are no cats <laughs> no in cat. Um No, yeah. Um, for you, so you... This is another five star yeah. for me. Um, and yes, I have given all five stars so far, but I'm not normally this get easy used to, to hearing them. I guess I just love queer cinema, so... You do. Um, yeah, for me, it's a, a three out of five, you know, like oh, I say. Shame. I do think it's... It's a film I appreciate rather than enjoy if that makes any sense like you know i can i can respect it but i just don't really get a huge amount out of it but i also don't dislike it i think there are some very good scenes and i think you know it is a very good piece of filmmaking in of itself yeah ignore him he's wrong yeah ignore me i'm wrong um so yeah our next film um which uh, caused a few debates before we watched it. Yeah, because I didn't remember any LGBT film that themes. Yeah. Because um, it's been so long since I'd seen it. And then when you watch it, you're like, well, of course. So, yeah, our next film is Let the Right One In. Uh, this is a 2008 Swedish romantic horror uh, directed by Tom Thomas Alfredsson. Uh, hopefully I pronounced that correctly when it comes to 
the names of foreign directors, I tend to, you know, <laughs> I'm, I, yeah, <laughs> I'm taking a shot in the dark sometimes. But um, yeah, this so yeah, we kind of had a little bit of a debate first because I was like, I was thinking about films I had like films I love that I hadn't seen in a long time, and I was like, what about let the right one in? And you were like. No. I was how, like, how is that? Film? I was just thinking, I was like, it's just vampires. Yeah. What are you on about? And I was like, no, it's because um, one of the main characters, the vampire, um, Eli, or Ellie, I it's think they pronounce it Ellie, is non-binary, yeah. And I looked up a <laughs> list, and you don't get any more official than this, I looked up a list on Wikipedia of LGBT films, and it was listed on there. Well, so, if Wikipedia says it, it's true. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this is um, an amazing film. Oh yeah, it is. I absolutely love this film. Like I say, it's one I hadn't seen in a long time, and thought I just I genuinely want to watch it again as a as a great film. Yeah. You know? I mean, obviously, if there are themes to unpack or anything, yeah. then we can look into that. But yeah, it's like a beautiful little quasi love story uh, between. So there's uh, Oscar, who's a little. <laughs> little oh, Swedish adorable, boy. I think he? I think he's probably like about twelve or something. Yeah, I guess. he's probably eleven or twelve. There's this um, Ely. Yeah, and Ely. Oscar so and Ely. Ely is a uh, um, non-binary vampire. Non-binary vampire. Yeah. Not non-binary. He's living in the body of like a eleven or twelve-year-old. Yeah, and moves in next door to Oscar, and Oscar's lonely. Oscar's bullied. Yeah, Oscar Oscar's got is these kind of neglected at home. Neglected at home. Neglected by his dad, he's, who he rarely sees. He's very vulnerable. He's got these kind of vulnerable. He, he looks. He's super vulnerable. Him, yeah, he's know? like skinny and meek. Yeah. He's got these sort <laughs> very of very pale psychopathic tendencies yes. not because he he wants to kind of you know make these bullies pay for what they've done yeah and yeah when ellie moves in next door and you know he'll be outside on the climbing frame in the snow you and know it's freezing cold he'll be on his rubik's cube and then he will come out barefoot and start talking to him <laughs> and yeah it's just a beautiful sort of weird love story i say quasi love story because I see it as romantic, but I guess some people might see it as purely a, a slave and master dynamic of some well, sort. Well, I but... don't know whether I see it as... <coughs> Excuse me. It's interesting, because obviously I feel like um, when we first meet Ely, uh, they have a an older man who is going out and killing for them so that they can get blood <coughs> safely. Um, and I feel like this is obviously what Ely has done over the many, many years of being a vampire is you get somebody, you get them to go and do the killing for you until they get too old or they die and then you move on to somebody else. But that's not to mean that their relationship with Oscar isn't special yeah. because it is. I, I believe that probably all of Eli's relationships are special. Because if you're going to spend that much time with somebody, they have to be somebody who you, you like at least and tolerate who you them. care for. Yeah. Um, but what we primarily see is them and Oscar. Yeah. And watching this film as an now <laughs> open non-binary person was wonderful. Um, there was a particular quote that I wrote down because it really struck me. And it was when... Um, Ely said to Oscar, would you still like me if I wasn't a girl? Yeah. 
and it reminded me of coming out to you. Yeah. Um, probably it's like a year and a half ago now, or something like that. Maybe a bit more than that. You know, and it's that. Will you still like me if yeah. I'm not what you think I am? Mm. Will you still like me if I'm not a girl? And it just really it it gave me the feels. Yeah. That <laughs> and they are incredibly sweet. Yeah. And. Ely helps Ely does help him in many, many ways. Oh yeah. yeah. Um she she's a machine. They <laughs> they give him courage yeah. and a bit more confidence and a bit more happiness. Love and care. Yeah, somebody who cares, somebody who will listen to him, which is not something that he's getting elsewhere. And best of all Ely fucks up those bullies good and proper. Yes, which is very satisfying. <laughs> I also very much enjoy when Oscar um, hits one of the bullies oh, with a big yeah. stick. Yeah, They're threatening it... to put him in the in like what is it? There's ice and water. Yeah, there, like ice a frozen over frozen lake. lake yeah. Um, They're threatening to put him in a hole in the ice. And he has a big stick and he whacks him in the head with it and he <clears> bloody <throat> deserved it. He sure does. <laughs> He's such an evil little shit. Yes. Um, yeah, and yeah, obviously these, these bullying scenes like are so harrowing, you know. It's always horrible oh. seeing like vulnerable children being, you know, abused and stuff, you know. Um, so, you know, when you actually get these scenes of the comeuppance uh, for the bullies, it's so satisfying. It is. <laughs> But yeah, as well, one of the things I noted about this film is that, you know, when you hear romantic vampire story, you think of something like Twilight. Twilight. You know? And you got things like that where it's just ridiculous. It totally romanticises, you know, this, mm. I can live forever and I'm 237 years old <laughs> and you're a 16 year old and there's nothing wrong with that. And... <laughs> You know, and it's awesome because we go out and we only kill animals. I don't need to kill humans, you know. And, yeah, it's it's totally... I mean, obviously this came out... Well, I think this came out before Twilight. Um, but, yeah, this this doesn't romanticise it at all. It's romantic without making that an aspect of, mm. like, what is romanticised, you know. Because it shows the victims of the vampirism yeah. you know like there's extended scenes where it will just peer into their lives for a bit yeah. as somebody's being turned into a vampire well, like that part or the which... grieving husband of a woman who has turned into a vampire and stuff yeah, yeah. well the part that do you remember they're like two friends coming home from the park yeah and they said to each other what oh, did they say they said, it was so... thank you for a night of friendship and merriment and, and then they have a hug they have a hug and i thought that's so touching yeah. and then one of them walks off and gets killed and gets killed yeah um but i like that because it's it's not like you know there, there are lots of films where there are loads of people who get killed but you don't get any time with them yeah so you don't feel sad you're just like okay that's just another body for the body count yeah but when you see a little bit into these people's lives first it makes it so much more real yeah i mean there's even like the scene with the bullies at the end where you know they're trying to basically drown oscar and then ellie comes along and fucking tears them to bits yes. except, um, one. except one except one the one who doesn't actively want to do any of it yeah. and it's just basically coerced into it but yeah even then you see like one of the bullies he's looking up at his old like the main bully yeah. is looking up at his older brother with like you're going too far yeah. as this guy's drowning oscar and you can again it just tells you so much about these characters with just literally yeah. like 
three or four seconds of, you know, just an expression of him going, you know, yeah. this is too much, you know. So well, it shows you where he's getting it from. Exactly. You know, he's <clears throat> probably suffering at home from his brother. His brother may have suffered from abuse from parents. Yeah. They might both suffer from abuse from parents. Yeah. A lot of the time, children who do these horrible things don't just do them because they're evil children. Exactly. They have been through something terrible, and that's why they act that way. Yeah. Exactly. Same with like Oscar at the beginning when he's you know like yeah. looking in the mirror and he's got a knife and he's thrusting it and just like, you know. I'll stab you and yeah. saying shit like that. You know, it's like, <clears throat> you know, is this kid a psychopath? Has he been made into a psychopath by mm. these people? Or is it just literally out of a place of, this is one of the few times when he can feel, you know, strong yeah. is when he's on his own with a knife, you know, making this character, you know. It's it's just, it's a very sad sort of like, because the, the film really perfectly conveys this sense of loneliness and oh, yeah. isolationism and all this kind of stuff. But at the same time, it's, yeah, just a really beautiful film. And, yeah. you know, I, lo- I love Oscar and Ellie, you know, and their little non-binary relationship. You know, Oscar doesn't care. Oscar... Non-binary relationship. <laughs> yeah. I do yeah, love, I love how the fact Oscar, Oscar doesn't is care. completely unfazed yeah. by it. Like, there's a point where um, Oscar says do you want to go steady and oh, yeah. uh, ellie's like well what what does that mean no he says like do you want to be my girlfriend yeah he says that after yeah. oh, uh, right. um, oh yeah ellie asks what it means and ellie's like i told you i'm not a girl and he's like okay so do you want to go steady or not yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it's so touching and yeah they're very very cute and we we see a glimpse later like she's getting changed into some non-bloody clothes after she's just feasted on someone. Mm. Oh, no, it wasn't after she feasted on someone. It's after she walked in the house without he him her giving her expression, house, yeah. express permission, and her she starts bleeding out of, like, every orifice. It's pretty horrific. Yeah. Um, but, well, you're not allowed to enter somebody else's home without permission if you're a vampire, so... Exactly. That's what happens. Vampire law. Um, but, yeah, and, like, he, like glances because i guess he's curious he's like well they say you know they're not a girl what are they and there's like this like castrated stump but and there's like nothing it's just a yeah wound. yeah it's just like a wound and apparently in the book this film is based off of um like ellie was previously like a 12 year old boy who was castrated and made into a vampire mm. uh but i haven't read the book i've heard that it goes a bit more in depth into the sort of the non the themes of the non-binary stuff and whatnot i need to read it yeah well i mean yeah i need to read it as well because <laughs> I, I love this film yeah and also worth noting uh, that this film has a lot of cats in it oh my god so many cats there's a man who has tons of cats woman and it's <laughs> they turn into cgi cats and attack a woman who's been recently vampirized yes oh fabulous yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the CGI is a little dodgy, but at the same time, it's like it's not a big Hollywood film. Yeah. You know what do you expect? So. So yeah, this is. Uh, yeah, I love this film. I think it's haunting, and romantic, and you know, just a beautiful film. And also, you know, has some awesome scenes of violence against you know twelve-year-old bullies as well. <laughs> So, so for me, it's like a five star film. Oh yeah, it's five stars, definitely. Well, hey, I, you're giving it five stars. Yeah. I cannot believe you're giving another five, <laughs> five film Shut five up. stars here. That is shocking. 
Okay, so moving swiftly on, and don't worry, we're finally into some more uplifting territory Yay! now. Uh, our next film is The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, which is a 1994 Australian road comedy, uh, directed and written, I believe, as well by, uh, I'm going to assume it's Stephen Elliott, or perhaps Stephen Elliott, but yeah, this is a great film about free drag queens basically on the road on yeah, the road again traveling to go and see one of their ex-wives yes and their child yeah um this one i have to give a shout out to my uncle sean if you're listening <laughs> to this um he's the reason why i watched this movie in the first place to be honest he's the reason why i probably watched quite a lot of the queer movies that i've seen yeah, that's true. <laughs> you've seen so, a lot so yes, thank you, Sean. <laughs> I love this movie. It's so this, especially after all the miserable films we watched. Yeah. To watch something that feels like a warm hug. Yeah. Was lovely. If you're wondering why we watch so many miserable films in a row, we literally we wrote our list of films and we randomised yeah. it. And yeah, you're a stickler to the randomisation. You're like, yeah. I'm like, well, you know, we've watched a lot of miserable <laughs> films in a row. How about we watch this instead? And you're like, no, we've got to do it. We've got to do it in the order given. This so, is the list. But yes, we're finally into the territory uh, of some uplifting films. But yeah, it's, it's just a, a lovely film. I mean, it's got its serious moments. It it's does. got its moments dealing yeah. with, you know, homophobia. Yeah. Um, child abuse even but even then like oh that God, scene yeah. is played for laughs yeah, not, it not that it's laughing at the child abuse but the way that it's he, laughing at the way he handled yeah, it yeah like yeah <laughs> um <laughs> yeah a kid trapping his uh, uncle's? uncle's balls in a drain yeah <laughs> in the bath it's plug. felicia felicia yes, yes played by guy pierce we love Felicia. I think, yeah, that's one of the first things I always find crazy about this film is how the cast, you've got Hugo Weaving, Guy Pearce and Terence Stamp. And all these people, you know, this is an Australian film, you know, so you've got Hugo Weaving and Guy Pearce doing their Australian accents, which wasn't something I was used to because I'm used to seeing them in, you know, like Captain America or Iron Man 3 or mm. bloody other stuff wherever they're in i can't think right now the matrix there we go hugo weaving's in the matrix and lord of the rings you know yeah it's it's crazy to see such recognizable faces when they were younger and in these like you know such vibrant flamboyant roles oh, yes. and terence stamp who i mainly well you mainly know as the <laughs> butler in the haunted, haunted mansion, mansion. <laughs> i mainly re remember he, him he's fantastic yeah. in this film well i mainly remember him as general zod in superman 2 <laughs> which came out like 1980 so to see him yeah in this role where he's like this aged grumpy, grumpy but also woman. warm and profound yeah. and wise woman it's oh, just great and she's my favorite character bernadette, bernadette. Yeah. She is wonderful, and she comes out with some of the best reads in the film. Yeah. Um, I wrote down probably my favourite one, which was um, light your tampon and blow your box apart. It's the only bang you're gonna get. Damn. <laughs> that was incredible. The library is closed. <laughs> Bernadette is amazing yeah. and then she meets bob oh yeah bob who's a, bob. Oh. like bob is like a 
like kind of you know such a straight as you like kind yeah. of Australian bloke <laughs> who likes to drink beers with his buddies yeah. and all that stuff and he's just smitten with Bernadette like uh, you know he doesn't judge them for their lifestyles or you know their uh, sexualities it. or anything like that yeah he thinks it's great um, he does also have pro- possibly a slightly problematic oh, yes. element, but it's quite enjoyable regardless. Why are um, we going to start with that? <laughs> yeah, I'm going on to it. I'm going on to <laughs> Cynthia. So Bob's wife, Cynthia, um, who is, I think she... she Thai? Thailand, yeah, Thai, yeah. Um, who is a Thai prostitute who he... Ex-prostitute. Ex-prostitute, sorry, who he got married one drunken night with yeah and and then had to bring her home uh, yeah <laughs> um and she's been banned from the local bar yeah because whenever she goes there she puts on a show where she shoots ping pong balls out of her nun she sure does um which we we watched what that. this is funny but also is this a bit racist? it's a bit racist definitely a i mean bit it's definitely racist. playing off a stereotype isn't it yeah but she's so fabulous but it is funny and I love yeah her. again her performance i can't remember the name of the actress i forgot to write it down um oh here we go julie cortez is just so over the top yeah and it is amusing and she looks um, like she's having a great time. It is slightly weird to me because obviously there is that element to it which is kind of racist. But earlier in the film there's the bit where the drag queens, uh, their bus, uh, the titular Priscilla, breaks yeah. down um, and they meet up with these Aboriginal um, people in the desert yeah. who like take them in and, you know, like let them sing and dance to them and stuff like that. They perform their drag yeah. show for them and, and yeah. get <laughs> And then there's such a nice scene, you know, about it's sort of, you know not um you know like not being prejudiced and yeah bigotry is bad and all that kind of stuff you know they had presumptions that these the aboriginal folk would probably you know look down on them for their mm. lifestyle but you they know. don't but they don't you know and so it is a bit weird that there's a slightly racist stuff in there yeah but at the same time it's all in the name of fun for the most part oh you my know. god it's, it's funny i just looked down at my notes and yeah. i saw two words abbotted <laughs> <laughs> I just looked at the same words. Do you want to explain? <laughs> I, I think you can do it more justice. Felicia is a very intense ABBA fan. Um, <laughs> and when seeing them in concert, I think she said she got backstage and one of the members of ABBA was coming out of the toilet. She went in afterwards and they'd left a little present behind that she took and has preserved yep. <laughs> and keeps in a jar. <laughs> oh my god, I love Felicia. Felicia is is a one. Oh, when, is when she's on the roof of Priscilla oh, yeah. with like the costume that's Mime like in the wind and yeah. oh amazing. I also the looks that are served in this film. <laughs> are insane yeah, it's, the wigs my god it's a very uh, visually you know the colour palette is very colourful yeah. and vibrant you know so in contrast to the desert yeah exactly well yeah even then you got I mean the desert is one of the most visually striking things because mm. you've got blue and orange 
which is opposite opposites exactly um but yeah so it's just such a, a beautiful film like 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 looking film as well you know it's as vibrant as the personalities contained within yeah yeah and when they get there to mitzi's ex-wife's hotel she's lovely as well yeah. and they perform there and it's oh it's incredible it's one song <laughs> but with like how many costume changes an impossible amount of costume so many changes. costume changes and everyone is fantastic and i oh it's, it's excellent and the way that everybody kind of reacts at the end like they're getting this mediocre applause yeah. but then the ex-wife and mitzi's son are yeah. like cheering him on i think he passes out at that point though, doesn't he, he does yeah from the shock of his son seeing him in drag yeah and his son but his son doesn't care and no. it has this beautiful message you know that bigotry is a learned thing yeah you know? and it's like you know this this son isn't bigoted because no. he's grown up around you know, a mother who... A very good mum. Yeah, who has taught him not to be that way. You yeah. Know, who's taught him that, you know, everyone's equal. So, yeah, it's just... Whereas he, he shocks Mitzi a lot, I think, because yeah. Mitzi kind of goes from being, like, really open about who they are to when they meet their son being kind of closed and yeah. not wanting to come across as too flamboyant. Yeah. And then the son says to him, oh, do you, will you have a boyfriend when we go back to wherever? Yeah. Um, and basically just doesn't give a shit about any of that stuff. And you see Mitzi kind of relax and be like, oh my gosh, maybe this, maybe I can be myself with my own son. Yeah. Um, and I think as well, because there even now, there are people who believe that LGBT people and themes should not be around children, that it's not child yeah. appropriate, which is complete bollocks. And especially as children have heterosexuality shoved down their throats from the moment they're born. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but oh no, we can't have two men holding hands in an advert, but we can yeah. have a man and a woman making out in a film that children can watch. Yeah. So it's almost like he feels that way because he's got this son and he's like, oh no, I can't expose him to this. Yeah. But... The son doesn't care. Doesn't care because he's got a wonderful mum who did the right job in bringing him up. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, great film. A lot of fun. You know, good messages mostly, you know. Um... Yeah, for you. Guess uh, I'm gonna guess what you give this one. <laughs> uh, hmm. For sure. Is it a five star it, film? It is. It, it is, is a five star film. I could watch this film over and over and over and over again. Yeah. It's just it makes me feel happy and warm. Yeah. For me, it's a four and a half stars. I've got a, like for me, it feels a little. It's it's one of those weird films that isn't that long, but it feels really long to me. I feel the opposite. And I feel it's perhaps because there's not sort of much of a. It's quite sort of. It's a very uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A very ep- episodic film. Mm. You know, like most of the scenes don't necessarily lead up to the next scene. No. Or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know. I think that's great. And it's, you know, it's a lot of fun. But, yeah, so I've got a few little issues with it, but nothing major. For me, it's a four and a half out of five, you know. But, but yeah, great film. I don't think there are any cats. There are no cats, no. Might be a few cat costumes. I didn't take note if there were, but no cats. So <laughs> we will take back that rating. Zero out of five. 
Oh, I'm kidding. So our next film. Um, so this is, uh, I guess, technically the only strictly non LGBT yeah. film, but I guess it depends how you look at it. It does. So we've got Point Break, uh, which is the 1991 version, not the god awful remake <laughs> from whenever the hell that came out. Uh, an American action crime thriller uh, directed by Catherine Bigelow. So, yeah, I'm gonna starring Patrick Swayze starring and Patrick Keanu Reeves. I mean, come on, if that's not a, I mean, I mean that's a hot cast. And Patrick right Swayze is crazy hot in this movie. He's got beautiful hair. Oh, he's film. got this like bleached mullet, and he just looks sick. <laughs> He looks so good. He's all tanned. and Normally that's not even my thing, but no. just it's Patrick Swayze and he just looks incredible. I mean, yeah, Patrick Swayze. <laughs> he always looked good. Um, God rest his soul. Uh, not that I believe in God. But that doesn't matter. Science yeah. rest his soul. We miss um, you. We miss <laughs> but you we, yeah, we miss you. Um, but yeah, he always looked good and you got a, a, a disconcertingly young Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Like, very I, baby face, it's just it? weird because everyone so, always talks yeah. about how he doesn't age and it's like I can see that but if you look at him now in like yeah. the John Wick films but yeah I'm like look Gosh. at that that's a tasty snack right there with his with his beard and his he longer hair time to cook. yeah um, <laughs> so yeah you've got a, a hot cast in this film yes. you've got some sexy cast and also the lead singer of Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, if you're into Oh him. god, and he's, 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 oh the cringe, the cringe. Doesn't he get uh, stabbed through the foot though? Did I ever? No, he does, he gets shot in the foot. foot. Yeah. That's what you get um, for such a terrible line delivery. We've also got Gary Busey in the film, uh, so takes away a bit of the sexiness, but no offence <laughs> to Gary Busey. Um, but yeah, so this film is basically for anyone who may be unfamiliar with it, uh, a very early 90s action movie where Pat Patrick Swayze plays a guy called Body, I think is his name, as in B-O-D-H-I, like Body Savata. Bodhi? Yeah, something Bodhi, like Bodhi yeah. Savata. I can't remember. But anyway. Um, but he's part of like this gang of surfers who rob banks yeah. in order to fund their lifestyle <laughs> of just surfing all day, every day. They also like to claim that it's... Uh, capitalist statement oh, yeah. you know anti-capitalist statement but it, it's totally not it's not yeah <laughs> they just do it because it's extreme and they love the testosterone and the adrenaline yeah. of it and keanu reeves is undercover agent johnny utah yeah not a code name no, his, actual his, name, his actual name and he doesn't name. use a code name when he goes undercover <laughs> Um, who, yeah, essentially he goes yeah. undercover to become one of these surfers and becomes one of these surfers more than he realised that, he, he, that yeah. he would. And his relationship with Patrick Swayze is what makes this film potentially queer. Yes. Even though it's... It's super gay. It is. It's super gay, but at the same time, not gay enough for me. Not gay enough for you. Um, there's... Keanu has a relationship with a woman in this film that I just <laughs> find really unnecessary and kind of... Uh, I'm not a huge fan of unnecessary romance in action films, unless it's gay. <laughs> <laughs> if there's been a romance between, like an active romance between between yeah. him and Patrick Swayze, I would have been all for it. <laughs> you know, like, it's they're so close to each other at some points, so they're close to each other's faces, and I'm like, just kiss, kiss, yeah. kiss, kiss. <laughs> but well, you don't get it. 
my my theory is that yes, there is this relationship between uh, Keanu Reeves and uh, uh, what's her name, Tyler, played by Laurie Petty. Uh, but I have a feeling that that was used to sneak this film past the straights. I think um, you probably. Were. I have conspiracies about this film, uh, in much the same way that Anne Hathaway's boobs are in Brokeback Mountain, so that you know straight people had an excuse to go see it. You know, but it's like th- this film is uh, like yeah. I have a theory that Catherine Bigelow knew exactly what she was doing because mm. this is such a you know, quote-unquote manly film. Yeah, it's it's full of, you know, like... We're men. men doing manly things, (laughs) like playing football on the beach and all this kind of stuff. But I have a feeling she knew exactly what she was doing. um, And basically made this sort of, like... And don't get me wrong, I believe, you know, she... You know, the action in this film is great. I'm a big action movie fan. And, you know, I think the, the the action in this film is great. The foot chase in the middle is just an all-timer. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, we've got a cat trying to attack a microphone. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the foot chase in the middle is an all-timer. All the surfing scenes and skydiving scenes, they're all filmed great, you know. Oh, my God, Patrick great Swayze shoot in, out the in the skydiving scene yeah. is <laughs> so good. Like, he's doing these flips and he looks so graceful. And... Dirty dancing in the sky. Yes. Dirty sky dancing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I have a feeling, yeah, Catherine Bigelow, Bigelow wanted to make this film about this spiritual, quote unquote, connection between this man and another man. But it was obviously something more than that, you know. Like, there's lots of references in the film to, like, where Tyler calls out machoness and yeah. testosterone. Um, the final couple of action scenes are literally Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze grappling each yeah. other, like rolling really close around. to each other. The last one in the water, yeah. you know, just rolling around in the water, grappling. There's a bit where they handcuff yes, themselves yes. to each other. I've e- I even noted, and maybe I'm looking way too much into this, but at the beginning of the film, when you get the main credits, Patrick Swayze's name comes along, like comes out the right side of the screen. Keanu Reeves' name comes out the left side of the screen and they intersect. And I'm like, that's already gay. That, that right there is the gayest credit sequence of all time. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely convinced Catherine Bigelow, because she had... I agree with you. She didn't have the male gaze, you know, the, yeah. the male eye behind it and could actually look past that sort of stuff. I, uh, yeah, I have a feeling that she deliberately made this film as gay as she possibly could. But also get it released by a major studio and get it, you know, past the straights uh, so that it was still a very good film. I feel in some ways as well, it's like as much a satire on action cinema Mm. as it is appraisal of it. You know, and I feel like the thing with good parody is you need to love and hate something in equal measure. I don't think that Catherine Bigelow hates action films because she's made a very good one. Um, but I think, you know, there's a bit where Tyler said, like someone says about Tyler's character who kind of gets kidnapped halfway through oh and God, yeah. she's not really in the rest of the film. And a character says she's served her purpose. I'm like, I feel that that's a deliberate commentary on like the way women are used in action films yeah. and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I have a feeling that Catherine Bigelow, Bigelow knew exactly what she was doing, but also wanted to make a genuinely kick-ass action film. Which, for me, it succeeds on all counts, you know. I love it as a 
sort of uh, almost a parody of action cinema, but I love it as legitimate action cinema as well. I do agree with you, but <clears throat> I want it to be more gay. Mm. Like, I love it. It's a great film, but it's like, it's just so, like, every time they're together, I'm like, come on, you guys, come on, you guys. And because it's constantly, like, that wanting yeah. them to get together, but then they never really properly do, it's, that's a little bit of a letdown for me. But there are so many squibs in this movie. There's a lot of squibs. And it gets yeah, some good practical, major points for squibs. Practical bloodshed, like when Red Hot Chili Peppers from the band Red Hot Chili Peppers <laughs> gets his foot blown off. Yeah, uh, yeah, lots of squib Oh, and there's the, uh, the house where they have the raid and yeah. like, everybody's shooting each other. And yeah. Like, yeah, that's yeah. where he gets his foot blown off. And then Keanu Reeves is fighting a guy outside and the guy's trying to push his face into oh the lawnmower. Yeah. <laughs> It's so brutal, and I've seen this film so many times, and yet every time I'm like, You're like oh, <laughs> you know, kind of like, oh god, no, 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 because it's it's done in such a, a good way, you it know, is. it's it's edited perfectly, it's so tense. Um, yeah, I mean, as you can probably tell, this is a film that I, I absolutely adore. For me, this is a five star film. What will be your rating? It's my first not five star. <gasps> It's a four star. It's a great film. It is My great. God. I just I want it to be more gay. Not gay enough for me. Not gay enough. Make it gayer. Not gay enough. It's great, Out but of make ten. It gayer. <laughs> make it gayer. Would that be your notes if you were the studio and you got this script handed in? You'd be like, make it gayer yes. in red ink on the side. Yes, one hundred percent. I want to see him kiss. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, I don't think, I, you know, I think it would still be a five star film regardless for me. But <laughs> but yeah, that would probably make it even better if it just went all out with it. But yeah. Yeah. Cool. So our next film, and I think we're going to rile some people up here. Oh, we are. And we're very sorry if you are one of the people. If this is one of your favourite films, I'm sorry. I'm glad you like it. Yes. I'm glad <laughs> you like it. I'm glad that you got something out something of it, which it didn't do for us. So yes, our next film is But I'm a Cheerleader, a 1999 American satirical romantic comedy directed and written by Jamie Babbitt. And I was so yeah. excited to watch this. Yeah. I've been recommended this film so many times and haven't got around to watching it. So I was like, yes, it's Pride Month, we're going to watch it. And I found it to be such a letdown. Yeah. Um, so the theme is that it's at a at conversion therapy essentially yeah natasha leone plays uh, megan who everyone who her family and everyone suspect her to be gay so yeah. they send her off to this conversion therapy camp place not really a camp, which is a uh, that's what the one thing that i do like about this film thinking about the actual place is the different colors it's very colorful yes. it kind of reminded me of the houses in edward scissorhands yeah um the pastel pinks and the pastel blues yeah it's got a fun aesthetic that's one of the notes i wrote that you know like it's got this sort of it's very sort of 50s inspired very kitschy yeah you know like yeah like you say yeah it reminds me of like edward scissorhands or like John Waters uses a lot yeah. of similar aesthetics, you know, so but yeah, I like that. Is, but... It's just not very funny. No. <laughs> um, for a comedy, how many times did we laugh? Uh, I think I, I laughed maybe once. Maybe or once. Twice. Maybe once. It just wasn't funny. Um, and 
the thing is, immediately when I saw that it was a conversion therapy thing, I was immediately like kind of grossed out by it. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you couldn't make a comedy with that because you absolutely could. But I was like, oh God, I didn't think it was going to be about this. And then it's not funny enough to get past the depressingness of poor kids having to go to conversion therapy. Yeah. I think the thing is, uh, which we just talked about a lot whilst watching it, if you're going to use like something like conversion therapy, which is, you know, a genuinely pretty harrowing yeah, thing, you know, like, especially dark, like, you know, if you've seen depressing. films like Boy Erased, yeah. you know, it, it's brutal stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, I think if you're going to make, and I don't think, you know, I think you should make, you can make comedy out of any subject as long as you're, you know, not punching down, basically. Mm. And I don't necessarily feel this film is. I feel it is taking the piss out of conversion yeah, therapy, obviously. But I feel like you either need to go one way or the other. You need to either make it the most ridiculous, unbelievable thing ever to make to show how ridiculous it yeah. is, or be really dark and vicious with how fucked up it is. Yeah. Like there's a South Park episode, for example, where Butters is sent to conversion Aww. therapy uh, after his parents believe him to be bisexual because I think Cartman did something to him in his sleep or oh, something poor butters <laughs> um, and yeah it's filled with so many dark moments like about you know suicides at the, at the conversion yeah. camp and stuff like that and it, it's funny because it it's shocking yeah. you know it makes you gasp and go oh my god that's so fucked up you know and it's so truthful and honest you know i feel like you need to go one way or the other yeah. and this film kind of this film it had like for instance um, they got caught, caught making out and one of them was put into solitary yeah. in a... Which is like, like a, a literal, dog, literal house. dog house. And I think... Is that, that's supposed to be a joke, but at the same time, that's what they... They actually do that. They put kids yeah. in solitary confinement um, a, a hell of a lot worse. But it was just strange. I was like, is this supposed to be funny? Am I supposed to be laughing here? Yeah. it's. I, I think it's not ridiculous enough it's not, to be it, funny. No. It's too... Like well, that's the... just like something that actually just happens. That's yeah. not a joke. Like yeah. I just don't. Uh, but yeah, I think overall, yeah, it's just the, the jokes aren't great, and I feel like I totally get this film has like a cult following, and yeah. I totally can see that. You know, for the time it came out, you know, as a relatively mainstream queer yeah. comedy, you know, so I can totally see that it probably spoke to a lot of a generation of people, you know, who grew up and were like, "Holy shit, I'm uh... represented in this," you know. And stuff like that. But I think because we never saw it as, as teenagers, teenagers... That's exactly what I was going to say. May, I mean, maybe we, if we had seen it as teenagers, maybe we still wouldn't like it. But yeah, I think for me now, it just... It doesn't work because it's not very funny. And also, it's, it's just... It feels like the bare minimum of film was made at the end. <laughs> it feels like the, the, the actual conflict of the film is Natasha Leone's character coming to terms with her sexuality and admitting her love for yeah. Claire Duvall's character. And then saying, screw like, this, we're some... going to go and start our lives, lives together. Yeah, and it's like, there's some way, to, like, crazier shit going on behind there. And, you know, none of that's resolved. None of the stuff mm. with the actual conversion camp or any of the other people at the conversion camp, none of that's resolved. No. There's RuPaul playing a 
ex-gay. Yeah, uh, I do love that girl. we get some RuPaul. Which is, yeah. great to see RuPaul's face. And he's funny in the role. I wish know. he got a better character. But I wish he was in a better film. His but... character do- doesn't go anywhere. The arc doesn't go anywhere. It's literally just the joke is that he's a straight guy who likes staring at the very sexy groundskeeper yeah. uh, at the camp and stuff like that. And yeah, it's just there's so many things where it just feels half-baked to me. Yeah. I think I would have liked this as a teenager. Yeah. But I think the reason why I would have liked it because as a queer teenager, I was always hunting for queer films. Yeah. And so I probably would have liked it based off of that alone. Yeah. But I agree with everything you just said. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's yeah, not I mean, the one. Some... The ending is very disappointing. I initially was like kind of won over by it yeah because they are very cute yeah I mean, and i it's love a the cute ending they're gonna go off and live with their new gay dads yeah and um, essentially there are what i don't they have a name what's that their group there's like a group of queer adults who want to help the kids in conversion uh, right. therapy and essentially um a lot of these kids when they if they choose to leave conversion therapy are going to be kicked out by their parents so they go and live with these two essentially their new gay dads yeah. in this house which is very touching yeah it's it's sweet but i just feel like yeah like and it's very, so much other stuff which well, isn't you resolved. came up with a much better ending yeah um well my um, the, the whole stuff with natasha leone and clear deval and all that kind of stuff that's all fine um but i feel like she should have also inspired the other people at the conversion camp to like stand up and be like yeah i'm gay or yeah, whatever you shit. know fuck this shit you know <laughs> fuck the your stupid bullshit like you know i'm gay that's who i am i'm queer i'm bi whatever and also that you've got the conversion camp leader who's played by i think what's her name uh kathy moriarty um and her son and her son who is blatantly gay yeah Yeah. (laughs) like and that's obviously one of the jokes of the film is like how blatantly queer her son is but she does she's not doing this therapy for him whenever he does like some gay shit she's just like please stop doing that yeah you know um and rupaul spends a lot of the film staring at him as well and being like oh you know so they should have got together they should have gotten together so rupaul realizes that he's you know actually he still is homosexual and it didn't change anything and then that would rub um kathy moriarty's character's nose in it you know and that would have been a much more satisfying ending it literally does feel like they forgot to film some final bits because it's such a rushed sudden ending abrupt yeah (sighs) but it is very cute her doing her little cheer because she's a cheerleader isn't she she does a cheer um which is really sweet i mean it's cute you know natasha leone is always good you know i like her you know the cast is good yeah um it's just not funny and there's also one central thing that just makes no sense what why and this this might sound mean so i apologize in advance oh for it's not that bad it's not that bad if anything it's it's praising someone it's very nice okay but why if you were natasha leone in this camp mm-hmm. why would you fall for clear duval when melanie linsky is oh, right I know. there i know we said this. It makes no it sense. It makes no sense. I'm sorry. She's the one we. I'm sorry, Clear Deval fans. I know there are a lot of Clear Deval fans. Yeah, there's loads of people. I I don't. I personally don't get it. But, but you know. But Melanie Linsky. But yeah, I know she's a babe. Yeah. 
Yeah, we love you, Melanie Linsky. Yeah, we do. If you ever listen to this, yeah, giving you a shout out. You're welcome round anytime. She she liked one of my tweets one time. So <gasps> I remember you yeah. said she oh. liked one of my tweets. So therefore, I know that she's probably listening to this. So. I love her. I had a crush on her when I was like, I can't remember how old I was watching Detroit Rock City, maybe twelve, <laughs> and I saw her in it, and I was like, oh my god, obsessed. I discovered her on Two and a Half Men, which is a terrible misogynistic shit show of a show but I but kept watching it. it because Melanie Linsky was in it so and I was like I don't know who this this lady is but I like her she's gorge absolutely <laughs> gorge so yeah so we give this film uh yeah so overall we're very happy that Melanie Linsky is in this film yep. but we're also very disappointed at how underrepresented she is in the film yeah she's hardly in it at all yeah so I think I actually yeah I think we both actually gave this film initial ratings and then thought about it a bit and yeah. lowered our ratings yeah, so we we're did. really sorry everybody the more I think about this film the less I like it yeah um so I gave it two and a half stars yeah it would have been just two, but the half star is because they're cute. Yeah. And I love the gay dads. <laughs> the gay dads are great. Yes, they, they reminded me of us. They were cool. So. I gave it two stars because, again, I initially gave it two and a half stars, quite neutral on the fence, but I thought about it and I was like, I dislike the film more than I like yeah. it. Yeah. So, therefore, I'm going to put it down slightly in two stars. It's not a terrible film by any means. It's you know it's very short it goes by quite quickly but yeah it just didn't work for us no i wouldn't watch it again it just didn't work for us and i wouldn't recommend it either there are way better films way better queer films yeah like some of the other ones we've talked about (laughs) but you liked them what you liked the other films we talked about (laughs) you should have mentioned you should have given them five stars or something (laughs) you're a bully (laughs) i am i'm sorry can't help it so, our next film. Let's move on to the next film. Yes, um, Carol. Carol, yes, which is 2015 um, British and American uh, period, romantic period drama film. Sorry, uh, I'm losing my voice because I've been talking for a long time. Have a drink. I, I am. I'm <laughs> sipping, but uh, yeah, I'm not used to talking this much. Um, but yes, this is a romantic period drama directed by Todd Haynes. And yes, this film is great. Yeah, it's basically about uh, Carol, played by Kate Blanchett. Yeah. And what's her name? Therese, played by Rooney Mara. And Therese, I think it's pronounced it? Therese. Therese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's spelled Therese, but it's Therese. said Therese. I love that name. It's quite, it's quite elegant. Quite an elegant so, name. Essentially, Carol is going through a horrible divorce um, with a <clears throat> clearly abusive husband who is trying to use her sexuality against her so that she will not be able to see her child, um, which I found very difficult to watch. It was very upsetting. Um, But while this horrible time is going on in Carol's life, she meets Therese and they fall in love with each other and they go on a road trip to try and escape um, Carol's ex-husband. And I spent the whole film dreading thinking this is going to have a horrible ending. Of course it yeah. is. And I, was, I, I, I had <laughs> a point where my, I, my heart was aching. Yeah. I mean, it's in my chest, my heart was hurting because these two women who were so in love and to think this is going to go horribly, this is going to go horribly, and then it 
bloody didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a shock, especially after all the miserable, yeah. sort of sad ending LGBT films we had yeah. watched. Yeah, um, I was convinced it was going to be another one, and I didn't want to even give myself the idea of hope that they might end up together. See, I started feeling hopeful because the film begins at a very random point. It just... Yeah, And it, it begins, like, at what is actually, like, close to the ending of the film. And then we go back in time and it starts from the beginning. I don't, I know, I'm still not certain on why they began it at that point. I'm, I can't I quite either, wrap my head around I'm it. I'm not against it. I'm not against it, but I just couldn't quite figure out the purpose of it. But yes, it begins at this point. But when the film kept going past that point we'd already seen, that's when I started thinking oh, I actually think this is going to have a nice ending. Because that kind of, that, that, I guess because that beginning bit implies the ending is just not going to be happy. But because it keeps going past that point, then it gets to a point where I was like, okay, now I think this will actually be a happy, well, not a happy film, but have a happy ending <laughs> at least. Yeah, ending. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's still lots of horrible, you know, divorce shit in the film, yeah. custody stuff, you know. Um, I mean, the way her ex-husband is with her is very upsetting to watch. Yeah. Um, I would say that if you are triggered by domestic violence, not to yeah. go there. I, I mean, I, I do get triggered by domestic violence, but I did manage to get through it. I mean, it's not... There's not loads of it, but he's no, just I mean, there's so no active violence, angry but and that. so threatening yeah. and... He just won't let her go. And he, he does start off somewhat initially sympathetic, you know, because you see, yeah. like, he's just like, you know, I just want us to be together and all that kind of stuff, you know. But it's like as he goes on and his behaviours become a bit more obsessive, obsessive yeah. Obsessive. And it just, it, yeah, but it gets pretty, yeah. Uh, the way he shows up pretty her, dark. her ex-lover's house and won't let her shut the door and is very aggressive. I Yeah, that was very uncomfortable for me and he sends a private investigator after carol on the road trip that she goes on um and gets this private investigator to film carol and therese um sleeping together and then is going to use this footage to prevent carol from seeing her daughter which is abhorrent yeah Uh, disgusting um, the fact that there even was a morality clause is what uh, yeah. it was under mm. that because she's queer she wouldn't be allowed to see her child yeah yeah it's pretty messed up I mean as a whole I feel like the film isn't actively like I think when you hear you know 50s set gay drama you know queer drama you think it's going to be like depressing largely about homophobia (laughs) and obviously that is an aspect of it but i think a large part of the film is also you know their love story you know the love story between carol and uh therese and yeah it's it's a genuinely very moving quite beautiful love story between them and the sex scene is beautiful and then yes there is a sex scene which it's so romantic it's gen it's very erotic but not in a not in a way because you see you know not in a way because it's two ladies making out it's not in a <laughs> way it's erotic in a romantic passionate yeah, it's way beautiful because it feels so yeah just tender charged and, and tender just, yeah there's this immense love between them yeah the way they kiss each other the way they touch each other it's beautiful yeah there's yeah it's very uh 
yeah, tender, like you say. Yeah, <laughs> it is. The way they are together is just lovely. I yeah, just... I think that was... Like, they were both likeable, you know. Sometimes I worry when I see Rooney Meyer in a film, because I do like her as an actress, but she's also... She can be quite cold sometimes. Mm. And I get that's, you know, sort of one of the things of many of the characters she plays. But in this, you know, she was, like, a lot more... She seemed... You know, they both had a playfulness to them, you know. Yeah. And as the film goes along and gets more serious, you know, there's more serious and more severity behind, you know, incidents in the films, then, yeah, that does kind of go away slightly. But it begins the film, you know, like, you're already invested in them from the beginning, you know, as soon as you've seen them together. You know, I I felt this, say, more than Portrait of a Lady on Fire, I felt it here immediately, whereas Mm. I struggled with that film to find a connection, you know, so... Mm. They are incredibly sweet. Um, And they have quite the age gap, I think, don't they? They have a bit of an age gap. I didn't even think so. I almost feel like there is almost like a slight motherliness to Mm. Carol's character um, and the way that she takes care of Therese and wants the best for her. You know, she buys her a fancy camera because Therese wants to be a photographer. And of course, when they go on this um, road trip, Carol's paying for everything and taking care of everything. Yeah. Um, And I love just love I love that I just thought they were very just sweet and loving and natural together yeah yeah no they were it was a like really good performances very it just felt very naturalistic and and it's a Christmas film and it's a Christmas (laughs) film but I do have one major issue with this film right and that is how the film looks it's the yellow. It has this weird green yellow tint yeah. over it. I'm not sure if I'm assuming it's a. I'm assuming it was like done, like in editing. I'm assuming it was some color grading done to it because I've seen promotional stills from the film which are in a normal color, you know, just yeah. naturally lit. But there's this weird green, green yellow yeah. lighting to everything, kind of sickly lighting. Yeah. Well, I mentioned and, it at the beginning, yeah. didn't I? Because um, Therese is wearing a Santa hat. Yeah. And the white on the hat looks yellow. It looks yeah. like nicotine stain. <laughs> yeah. It looks like some some old man has worn it for years whilst chain smoking in his basement. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really unpleasant to look at, yeah. actually. Yeah, I just, I didn't get it. And I, I kind of thought for a while, like, is there some sort of... There are some scenes which are, like, lit a bit brighter you know like when they're outside or they're driving and you see the sun shining down yeah but like all interior scenes are like, like filmed. The snow and yeah it's very snowy isn't it but like all the interior scenes are filmed with this horrible tint well they're not filmed with it because like i say i think it was done post-production um but yeah and it's i just i was trying to figure out if there was a correlation like is this trying to signify something is mm. this for scenes that are sad and then scenes that are happier will be bri- lit brighter but no i couldn't find any no. correlation and i just couldn't wrap my head around why that was a decision made yeah i don't i really don't know why they did that yeah. and maybe there is some significance to it which we've totally missed maybe but. That. If there has and you know it, let us know. Yes, let us know. Because <laughs> <laughs> for me, it did... And I hate to let something small like that ruin a film. And it doesn't ruin a film. I think it's a fantastic film. Yeah. But it did stop it from being, like, an amazing, you know, film for me. Like, in, mm. in regards to the fact that I kind of just, like... A lot of this is unpleasant to look at. Yeah. And, you know, the shot compositions are nice. But there's just this horrible, sickly green. And I agree like, with you. 
about it, but for me, it doesn't detract from the film because the film's so good yeah. that I can kind of <laughs> say, oh, well, yeah. there are some scenes where they look a bit gross, but overall... <laughs> Overall, it looked kind of like a saw film. Oh god, it did look like that sort of yellow green. I think that's the problem I had. I was looking at it and I was like, I'm thinking about saw films right now, and I do not want to be thinking about saw films right I now. I think I was far too invested in their relationship yeah. to care that much. That's so. fair enough. <laughs> so for me, it was a five star. Yeah, for me, it was a four and a half because I thought it was a fantastic, beautiful, genuinely romantic and yeah. film. But yeah, it's just I. I also thought, and I think it's the best Saw film in the, in the franchise, but, but yeah, no, I just, I couldn't quite get over it, I'm afraid, which I really hate, it's very annoying. But you know, it's what it is, if it detracts from it for yeah. you, then it detracts from it, you yeah, know? Yeah. There have been other films that I've watched where it's like something little has just mm. irked me, Yeah. and this although I didn't like necessarily the way it looked, it didn't irk me enough for it to be a problem. Yeah. So we're on to our last film. On to our last film. Wait, did you give your star rating? Oh, yeah, you did. I did. (laughs) Yes. Um, So, yeah, our last film. uh, We got there eventually. Um, We talk uh, far too much, so... But hopefully we've been enjoyable thus far. (laughs) Um, So our our last film is actually uh, one which has only just been released in UK cinemas. So I'd say, you know, probably maybe not ever maybe not as many people have seen this film uh, that we're going to be talking about but they maybe should. we can encourage some people yes, to see. so yes yeah, so finally we're talking about supernova which is not the uh, sci-fi film from 2000 starring alfrey woodard uh, it is in fact the 2020 british drama starring colin firth and Hen- um not henry stanley tucci um directed by harry mcqueen um, Another one that made me cry. Yes, you cried again. I cried lot. a lot at this one. Um, this, they were like us, and that yeah. got to me from the very beginning. Um, the the very beginning, you see them in bed together, and Colin Firth is spooning. I forgot Stanley Tucci. Yeah, and he's got one leg out of the covers, and that's what you always do. And then yeah. the way they lovingly bicker with each other is adorable and very like us. Yeah. So basically in this film, uh, you've got Colin Firth as Sam and Stanley Tucci as uh, Tusker. Um, And they are a couple and basically Tusker has has dementia, dementia. you know. He's at the very beginning stages of it. Not not very beginning, but it's like a couple of of stages in. Yeah, Mm. it's a problem, but it's not. It's not something where he can't function. You know? Yeah, he can. He function. can mostly there function. There are still he has difficulties, but he can. Yeah, function. he can mostly function. Um, so yeah, he has dementia, um, and Colin, yeah, Colin Firth is his partner, and they're on one final sort of road trip. Yeah, um, for him, for Colin Firth to go and do a concert because he plays piano. Yeah, and yeah, so basically we just follow these two, and they're adventure no it's not really an adventure but it's it's a very lovely sweet low-key film and very sad um i think the beginning parts you know of their trip when they see their family and yet there is a sadness to it because obviously they are struggling a bit yeah um colin firth is very worried yes colin firth does a good job of 
looking constantly, you know, constantly. Well, you can concerned see and like trying to swallow shoulders. it, but he just can't. Yeah, there's yeah. A, absolutely. You can see a weight on his shoulders. He looks like he's carrying the earth, poor man. Yeah. Um, and then his a lot less serious yeah. partner, <laughs> who even though um is is struggling, is still manages to be goofy and yeah. silly. I mean, they have to sleep in, or when they sleep in the uh, bed. Yeah. Um, so they go and stay at Colin Firth's sister's house, which was where he grew up. And um, what's it? I've forgotten his name again. Tis- Tusker. 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 Tusker decides that they're going to sleep in his childhood bed, which is a single bed. Um, and of course, there's the argument that I think every couple has, <laughs> which is move over, I'm at the edge. Well, I'm at the edge, but well, I'm at the edge more. And then Colin Firth falling out of the bed, which was quite funny. They were, it's just, oh, they're adorable. Yeah, they're, uh, <laughs> it was a very authentic feeling relationship. Yeah. It was like so much just, chemistry. It was just the little things, you know, they were like, it felt like, you know, like most of the film, scenes in the film, they were bickering, but in a loving, in a loving way, way, in this way where, you know... In the way that you do when you've been together for a long, long time. Exactly. And mm. the way they, like, there's a point where, like, Colin Firth kissed him on the head, mm. and it was just so sweet. Yeah. They're so, they had so much chemistry. They did, yeah. I was reading about it, and apparently Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci were actually have actually been really good friends for like a couple of decades that makes sense, so apparently for them to get this chemistry it didn't actually require yeah. that much sort of preparation it was just nat- came natural to them um i but, thought it was yeah. very sweet where you'd see them because there was another um point where you see them in the morning where they're still in bed they're still half asleep so they've been the one where we've been one where they're lying next to each other just like holding hands yeah and it was so sweet yeah they were so oh god and they have they go they have a party with all yeah. of their friends and family members, which basically Tusker is set up to remind Colin Firth that to remind Sam that there are people there are that love people him, love and you. you know once once Tusker is gone, he does have other people to keep living for, you know, yeah. because he's so sort of dead set on Tusker, you yeah. know, like I'm gonna be with you till the end, but Tusker doesn't want that. Yeah. Tusker wants. To be in control of his own fate you know he of wants course. to be able to to get before he gets to a stage where he can't function yeah you know? so essentially it gets to a point where colin firth's character um goes through his husband's stuff and finds a tape um which is a suicide note um saying that he doesn't want to get any worse he's got as bad as he wants to get and he's ready to leave this world and of course Colin Firth is angry and sad and they have an argument and it's very sad because you can see it from both sides yeah I can see it from if that was my partner I would be the exactly the same I will look after you please please don't do this we'll do we'll make it work we'll do this you know because you don't want to lose that person yeah but at the same time if this if you're losing who you are so much yeah. and your quality of life is going down so much why would you want to continue like that so i understand why he would want to end things oh yeah definitely yeah yeah no it's 
Yeah, both sides. I think that's the the thing the film does well. Is it? It makes you understand both sides so much, you know, and like. Yeah, and I I I really appreciate it as well the way it dealt with dementia sort of more in the abstract. Like we do see how it affects Tusker, mm. but it's more about the impending. This is gonna. I'm gonna get worse. Yeah. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't I'm a get film. Get worse and get worse and get worse yeah. until there's nothing left of me. It wasn't about a film. It wasn't a film about a man going through dementia. It's about a man who has dementia and how he doesn't want it to get worse. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I thought that was like quite smart. You know, because there's there's a lot. There's, there I mean, lot, there's there not are, a lot, but, but there, there are quite are a few, few films. Yeah. Where you see, you know, some of the early stages of dementia going through until they're very, very, very. Um, unwell and are no longer themselves. Yeah. And I mean, personally, I would, I think I would be the same if I had dementia and I was losing who I was as a person. You'd get to, I mean, I think quite a lot of people would get to the point where they go, <coughs> nope, this isn't for me. And it's a shame that that option isn't out there for people, really. Yeah. yeah but basically, he has to, hasn't he set up like the piano on the internet and yeah he the reason why he pushed his husband to do the piano concert was so that he would have an alibi so that people wouldn't think that he was assisting his suicide exactly and i mean yeah it's fucked up that you know that it is illegal you know you can't do that but yeah i mean it's yeah it's a very thoughtful sort of tender film you know yeah yeah, which um, we both really, really liked. Yeah. yeah, I would recommend it to anyone and everyone. <laughs> Just be prepared to cry a I mean, lot. I didn't cry, but to be fair, I am a monster you have who a doesn't really stone. cry at anything. <laughs> so, I mean, I do cry at things, but not often. So. I'm a big crier. Yeah. As you can probably we tell. Love a good cry. <laughs> so beautiful and I just it's another one where it's just I just love their relationship yeah I could just watch them two together just ragging on each other yeah for hours yeah exactly they were just yeah they were in a weird way fun to watch they were like, and, and that's the thing as well it's a funny film it's, there's a lot of humour to is, it yeah. it's not it's not a miserable slog like no. it, it potentially could sound like a miserable slog yeah, it's, but it's there's really a lot not. of humour you know, like Stanley Tucci's character is just delightful. You know, he is. <laughs> like yeah, like he's just got this irrepressible spirit. Even when he's struggling with like it, like struggling buttoning up a shirt, he's still making jokes yeah. about it and stuff like that. And I think that's what makes the film as well. Like it's it's a very warm film ultimately. Yeah, it you is. know, it's it is sad in places. And even in obviously, the end, it's it's sad, but also it's not because yeah. you know that because he's you know ending his life he's not going to suffer yeah and he doesn't want to suffer yeah um, uh, yeah i thought the ending was like quite I, I found the ending more beautiful than sad yeah. in a way because yeah it's like they've come to this decision and they've realized that's this is the best course of action yeah. you know and you can still do this and love each other you know it doesn't mean that you know you don't love him because you're letting him do this yeah you know? Um, well, you you have to love someone to let them do exactly, that. yeah, and yeah, it's just uh, really good performances. I mean, for me, it's not a, like a perfect film, you know. I think for me, I just I kind of felt a little bit by the end. I was like, oh, okay, that was it. It ended, <laughs> but I still yeah, really yeah, enjoyed. It. Yeah, yeah. That's, um... And again, maybe that's a testament to the characters and how I wanted to, you know, 
keep spending time with him. Yeah, that's true. But I did feel a little bit at the end like, oh, okay. Right. I was sad when it ended. <laughs> yeah. Because, like you said, I wanted to spend more time with them. Mm. But I like I did like the ending. Yeah. I thought it was beautiful and sad. Yeah. But more beautiful than sad. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a, a very good film. Uh, I give it a four out of five. It's personally. a five for me. And it's another five for you. Right, I must say, although I've given a lot of five stars in this episode... This is not normally the case. <laughs> no. Usually you're a lot harder to please with I films. I am, but I think there's something about queer cinema that, as a queer person, makes me feel at home in a way that other films don't. Mm. And so there are a lot of queer films that are five-star films for me. Yeah. Not just because the films are amazing, they are, but also because... They give me that sense of like solidarity. They speak to you on like a personal level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they do. I would. Uh, that did remind me as well. Actually, a thing about Supernova as well is um, it's not actually ever really about the fact that they're gay. They just are gay. Yeah. They just are a they're gay just couple. A couple. But there, it's never really. I think there's like a joke about. Margaret Thatcher. Oh, there is, yeah. Section, uh, having section, whatever it I can't was. remember which section it was, where yeah. she made it so you couldn't talk about uh, yeah. queer relationships in school. There's like a joke about that, and I think that's about it Fucking as far Margaret as... Thatcher. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's about it as far as sort of references to it. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm saying that's kind of... It's nice to see a representation which is just casual it just yeah. is because you know straight they couples in films couple. they're not you know talking about their problems as straight people yeah obviously they don't really have problems as straight people <laughs> so you know i totally understand that but yeah it's nice that we've got this film where it's just a very casual it's not about them being gay they just are gay yeah but again nothing wrong with obviously films where you know it is about yeah we love know, a bit of yeah, both because we love broke back mountain give us loki and Hikey. we're here for it all and loki bisexual loki yes <laughs> which was a recent development yes. in the tv show if you guys are watching that don't know if, if you not, are spoiler if not you alert. should be <laughs> no it's not really a spoiler but um so yeah i think also i did forget about our gimmick over the oh last few gosh, films yeah, there were no cats in the last few films, although Supernova... That's probably why we forgot about it. Yeah, I did write notes, but it's not easy to remember when there aren't cats. We think about cats a lot. We do. Um, <laughs> yeah, Supernova doesn't have any cats, but it does have a very beautiful dog called oh, Ruby. Oh, yeah, yes. she's lovely. So, dog dog people... There's a dog There's a dog you. for you in Supernova. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Are so... Are you going to do the oh, yeah. ranking? Yeah, so I'm going to do a little ranky-rank. Um... Go through and then um, we'll wrap it up. Yeah, so I think you will be unsurprised to learn. So yeah, if I rank the films, then a lot of them are actually in the same position because we had a lot of uh, films we rated similarly. Mm. Um, so our last in the last place is at fifth is as you'll be not surprised to learn. <laughs> but I'm a cheerleader, which we gave an overall of four point five out of ten. Ooh. Very sorry, but I'm a cheerleader fans, but. You can tell us why we're wrong and, you know, we respect that. That, that We respect that, you know, you get it, we don't. We still love like <laughs> uh, In joint fourth place, uh, we have Paris is Burning and Portrait of a Lady on Fire, both with 8 out of 10. That mm. 8 out of 10 is my fault on both those counts. Still, because still a solid score. Still good scores, yeah, good scores. 
Then we've got two films in our joint third place, Point Break and Supernova, um, which both had nine out of ten. I accidentally wrote nine out of five. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> That's impossible. I would rate Point Break nine out of five if possible. Um, and then in second place, uh, The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert and Carol are tied for second place, both with nine and a half out of ten. And then finally, we've got three joint winners. Brokeback Mountain, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, and Let the Right One In, all of which we gave a cumulative 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Yes. So. Fabulous. Hopefully you enjoyed us nattering on. We have talked for a long time. <laughs> this the, We always talk longer than planned. Yeah, so. we do. We're terrible once we get going, aren't we? Yeah, we are. <laughs> well, thank you for listening. Yes. And remember to be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Mm-hmm.